This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Incline listeners, looking to start your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Now, you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can have it heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everybody? Happy Saturday. It's April 13th. Thank you for checking out The Incline. I am your host, Kevin Klein. You can follow me on Twitter at Klein25. If you know how to spell Calvin Klein, then you'll have no problem finding my user handle, Klein25. So, your Los Angeles Dodgers. 8-7 and seven on the season now. That's two games back of the San Diego Padres in the National League West. Losing to the Brewers last night, 8-5, not fun. You know what's even more not fun? A five-game losing streak. That's right, your Dodgers were 8-2 coming into the week. They've lost five in a row, 8-7 now. That includes that loss last night to the Brewers, and it also includes a four-game sweep in St. Louis by those Cardinals. So, to recap, last night, Julio Urias... He went five innings, but he gave up six runs, two of them coming via the home run. Corbin Burns, the Dodgers' opponent last night, he gave up five runs, giving up three home runs to the Dodgers' bats, and he allowed nine hits in four and a third innings. The problem with Urias last night was not the fastball, because that is electric stuff. We see it get up to as high as 96, maybe even 97. It's that curveball. The curveball is not breaking. We saw him give up those two home runs to Hernan Perez and Yasmani Grandal because the curveball is just not breaking the way it should be. He's leaving these fat meatballs over the plate that hitters are just sitting on and smacking it into the stands. This might be the last start we see by Julio for a little while. 
And it might be time because he needs to work on his breaking ball pitches. You can throw the fastball by as many hitters as you like in spring training. It's not going to correlate in the in the majors. So Julio Urias, after struggling in cores, tough place to pitch, struggled last night against the Brewers. But that's not the only reason why the Dodgers lost that game last night. They had opportunities to score with runners in scoring position. And this is becoming a new little theme, it seems like. A.J. Paul came up with a chance to drive in a run. Austin Barnes had an opportunity to drive in a run as well later that game. They both came up short. Those aren't the only examples. The Dodgers still put together five runs, which is good enough if you ask me, especially against the Brewers. All those runs came against the starter Burns, but that Brewers bullpen, including Josh Hader, shut down the Dodgers the rest of the way. The Dodgers missed those scoring opportunities, but they also brought in Joe Kelly last night. And I think it's time to give Joe Kelly a nickname. We're going to call him Blow Kelly, because Joe Kelly now has blown three saves for the Dodgers alone this season. And then we're only like two weeks into the season. He has a 12.27 ERA. And this is over six appearances. Here's the catch. He's given up a run in five of them so far. The only game where he didn't give up a run, you might recall, is when he went a third of an inning against the Rockies and had to be taken out of the game because of a line drive comebacker that went off his arm. According to RJ Anderson right now, Joe Kelly has the lowest fastball whiff rate in all of Major League Baseball. It's still early in the season, but I'm starting to panic with Joe Kelly. Over the course of his career, he has been an average reliever at best, where we gave him a three-year contract based off of a small postseason sample size where he looked phenomenal. But you got to be real. Joe Kelly is a four-plus ERA guy consistently every season. And he's getting older and not better. The Dodgers may be in a position where they're going to have to trade for a reliever at some point because it's just not working out with Kelly so far. I don't want to trade for another John Axford because that was terrible. But I know Kimbrough's still out there, so we'll see what happens because right now the Dodgers' bullpen ERA is 5.16 on the season. That is well above any other year we've seen under this regime. You can say Dylan Floro and Scott Alexander have been the best two guys out of the bullpen so far this season. Both of them have been awesome. But the other guys, Yimi Garcia, Pedro Baez, Brock Stewart, who thankfully is out of our lives right now. Yes, earlier this week, Brock Stewart Little was demoted And let's hope we don't see him for a while because he's terrible. But, on the flip side, we saw JT Chargois get called up for a game against the Cardinals. Did not work out too well in his favor. He gave up two runs in that one outing. 
And I doubt the Dodgers even got him a room at Motel 6 because he was demoted the next day. Now Jamie Schultz is part of this Dodgers bullpen, and so far he made one outing, didn't give up any runs. So that's a little bit of a recap so far on this podcast. We're going to talk about some more of this Milwaukee Brewers game. Then I'm going to talk about that St. Louis Cardinals series. Then we're going to preview the rest of those Brewers series, including tonight's game. Then we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, which is, they're coming into town Monday and Wednesday. Then to round things off, we'll talk a little Chris Davis, the one on the Orioles. And give you some thoughts on Luke Walton. So back to this game. We saw Yasmani Grandal make his Dodger Stadium return last night. And I'm pretty indifferent on the whole situation. I have no reason to boo the guy, but I don't really have a reason to cheer for guy. Yeah. Yasmani Grandal did a lot of good things for this team during the regular season. But how I'm going to remember Grandal is the worst postseason hitter of all time. According to Keith Law, who told me, he told me that a lot of teammates didn't like Grandal. I don't know how much truth is in this whole story, but apparently Grandal was not a good locker room guy. It kind of hurt last night to see Grandal get an RBI single off Urias, and then later that game, he hit a home run. I don't think he was the difference in that game, but his bat definitely made an impact. He made a lot of noise last night. So you can boo Grandal, you can cheer Grandal. Not going to judge you either way. It's one of those things where he wanted to leave the Dodgers. He wanted to get paid. He turned down a four-year offer by the Mets. Apparently that wasn't good enough. Now he's playing for the Brewers for like a penny more. Cool story, bro. Josh Hader almost got exposed last night. The Dodgers were so close to putting some runs up on Hader. They had first and third, one out. And they just couldn't do it. So that kind of hurt. The good news is, hopefully we don't see Josh Hader tonight. But, there is some more to talk about. I said the Dodgers lost five in a row, and four of those games were against the Cardinals. This series was an absolute disaster. It starts with the Dodgers starting rotation, who gave up 16 runs in 16 innings. We saw Hunjin Ryu get pulled from the ball game early due to a groin strain. He had given up two runs that game, and he didn't even make it to the third, unfortunately. And that really exhausted the bullpen going forward. Kenta Maeda and Ross Stripling both were pretty mediocre. And then lastly, Walker Bueller. Poor little Walker had the lead multiple times and he kept coughing it back up to the Cardinals. Yes, I I know he only made one spring training start, but when you're going against a right-handed heavy lineup that strikes out against hard throwers like that, this was his third start of the season. Just not acceptable if you ask me. So the Dodgers starting staff 16 runs over 16 innings, as stated before. Along with that, the bullpen, they gave up 10 runs. Pedro Baez, 
in the last game of the series. Gave up four runs on his own. Yimi Garcia, who's been pretty mediocre over the course of this campaign, he gave up another two runs. And meanwhile, this is what the Cardinals bullpen did in that series. 0.58 ERA with 20 strikeouts over 15 and two-thirds innings. So, that may have been the difference in that series, the bullpens. Because the Dodgers could not make a dent against the Cardinals. I thought going into that St. Louis Cardinals series, the Dodgers and Cardinals would split two each. Did not work out that way. Yes, the Jack Flaherty start. Yeah, I was willing to give the Cardinals that one because Flaherty, he's a great pitcher. But the Dakota Hudson start? Awful. Just awful. He made his second career start. And this is a guy who relies heavily on his sinker and slider. Two pitches that the Dodgers historically have great success on. And yet, no runs that game. The Cardinals shut out the Dodgers. In that series alone, the Dodgers averaged three runs a game, and they hit 190 with runners in scoring position. And yeah, that Thursday finale, when the final score was 11-7, Walker Buehler versus Michael Waka. Here we are thinking that the highlight of the game was going to be Walker Buehler hitting a solo home run off of Michael Waka. To put the Dodgers up 3-0. I don't know if Bueller was excited or just gassed. I really can't tell you because that 3-0 Dodgers lead flipped immediately to a 4-3 Cardinals lead. And then the Dodgers took back the lead only for Bueller to cough it up again. And yes, and then Baez gave up four runs, Garcia two runs. This was just a back and forth game. Before you know it, Dodgers lose. 11-7. I Obviously, we're going to play the Cardinals later in the year at Dodger Stadium, but don't be surprised if this is your NLCS matchup because the Dodgers may have correct, they may have they may have righted the ship for the St. Louis Cardinals, giving them momentum that could carry their way for the rest of the season. We'll see because they just had everything working for them at the Dodgers' expense. Well, now that we talked about that unfortunate series, let's move on to hopefully some wins because tonight at Dodger Stadium, you're going to see Zach Davies take them out for the Milwaukee Brewers. We've definitely seen Zach Davies in the past. The guy does not throw hard whatsoever. And I gotta be honest, I don't really like the guy. Nothing personal against him, but Zach Davies, if I recall correctly, his role model is Tim Lincecum. And by default, I'm not going to support any Lincecum supporter. I believe they have a similar delivery along with pitch arsenal. And I just kind of remember Vince Cooley telling the story of Zach Davies looking up to the Lincecum, and modeling his game after his. You can correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not 100% on that, but I kind of remember that being the case. 
For the Dodgers, though, Caleb Ferguson is taking them out. And I don't know if I'm too happy about this. Now, that can obviously be corrected if Ferguson goes three innings, Dennis Santana can go three or four. But why are we doing a bullpen game this early on in the season when we have guys available? We just saw the bullpen get used up a whole bunch, due in large part to Hunjin Ryu, because Ryu does what Ryu does, which is get injured every season, because once injury-prone, always injury-prone. And then we saw other games where the Dodgers bullpen had to get used early on because the starter just didn't have it. And I know the Dodgers want to win this game, obviously, but are we willing to start exhausting these relievers this early on in the season. You may not see it in April. You may not see it in August. But at some point, some of these relievers are going to get completely gassed. And that could come haunt. That could come back to haunt the Dodgers in the postseason. We've seen it before, and I hope to not see it again. But when you use the bullpen... So much, it wears them down, makes them more exposable, and it's just something to keep an eye on going forward. I don't know if the Dodgers have announced their starter for the next game yet, but the Brewers announced that that Sunday finale is going to be Julius Chassin. We saw Chassin in the playoffs. He did all right. But what I remember about Chassin are two starts at Dodger Stadium. The first one was opening day a few years ago when he was a member of the San Diego Padres and the Dodgers completely lit him up. I think Jock Peterson had a grand slam that game. And Dodgers went on to win, of course. Great opening day. But then last year, Jasin at Dodger Stadium took the mound and the Dodgers won that game. 21 to 5. If we could see another similar result like that, that's going to make this five game losing streak be a thing of the past. The Dodgers need to win these next two games. They're already 8 and 7. If they can improve to 10 and 7, that'll feel so much better. We do not want to see this team fall under 500 already. We saw that last year. It was very frustrating. San Diego Padres fans are already starting to get cocky, acting like they won the division in April. We need to put those fans in their place. And the Dodgers got to prove this is their division. They're taking home the title. So far, the Dodgers are 0-5 against the Central. That's got to be corrected. Dodgers got to win these next two games. They're both pretty lousy starters at the end of the day. Hater went last night. Not going to see him tonight. Got to get that win. Could see him tomorrow, potentially. But Dodgers put some runs up early. It won't matter. Let's win this series. Take what's ours. Build up some momentum because coming in Monday night are the Cincinnati Reds. Right now the Reds not looking too good this season. Their record is 4-8, and eight, which would make them last place in the Central. You want to know who's coming into town with those Reds? 
Yasiel Puig. And I know a lot of you are probably really excited to see Yasiel Puig. I can't blame you because he had six seasons with the Dodgers. Some ups, some downs. Obviously. But he was definitely a fan favorite. There may be some booze. There may be some there's gonna be some cheers. I'm not gonna judge you what you do either way, because he had six years with the Dodgers. Every season they made the playoffs. This isn't gonna happen, but if it hypothetically did where Yasio Puig had a Hall of Fame career, I think he would go in as a Los Angeles Dodger. The reality is though, Puig is kind of overrated. I think fans have turned him into something he really isn't because he has zero home runs this season. Still pretty early. But Madison Bumgarner, Zach Greinke, Walker Buehler, they all have more home runs than Yasiel Puig right now. So we'll see what Puig does. Probably has revenge on his mind. Matt Kemp, back on a different team. I'm sure he'll be thrilled to be in front of Dodger fans again. But... The Reds are a bad team. And I think this is a series where the Dodgers need to sweep the Reds. They take two of three, that's fine. But I really think this is the type of series that they could sweep the Reds. We don't know exactly who is taking the mound. Though we can kind of do some reasoning. Because Roark and Descalfani will be playing the Cardinals this weekend. They've already announced Tyler Malley will be the starter for the Tuesday game. But Alex Wood, I believe he's still on the injured list. We're not going to see him. Probably going to see Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, if you ask me, very overrated pitcher. We saw him get completely lit up as a New York Yankee. Sonny Gray is a small market guy. Did pretty okay with Oakland. Now he's with the Reds, but he'll be under the Los Angeles limelight. A lot of pressure for Mr. Gray, so we got to get to Sonny Gray. Probably going to see Des Calfani. He's another solid pitcher for the Dodgers. So we'll say we're going to see Molly, Des Calfani, and Gray. Possibly Luis Castillo. He's another great starter for the Reds. Can't forget about him. Though there are some holes in Mr. Castillo's game, he can get a bit erratic at times where he just loses control. He has a great fastball, but he's the type of pitcher that the Dodgers could just work the count on, put some runs up on Castillo. There is someone returning for the Los Angeles Dodgers, and you know the name, Clayton Kershaw. Set to pitch Monday night, making his season debut for 2019. Don't know what kind of pitch count Kershaw will be on just yet. Probably assume it will be somewhere around 75 to 80. But this is the type of return that we need to turn the Dodgers' pitching struggles around. Because, as said earlier, the bullpen ERA is 
and just a lot of struggles going on. A lot of people, there are some people out there acting like Clayton Kershaw is washed up. That's just ridiculous, if you ask me. I'm going to pull up some splits with what Kershaw did last year in 2018. Because he is still an ace. He is the ace of this team. I don't care what anyone says. It's not Bueller yet. It's Clayton Kershaw. This is the ace of the staff. He is the leader of the clubhouse. He sets the tone. This is Clayton Kershaw's team. We're not taking it from him yet. Last year, in July, he had an ERA of 1.95. In August, he had an ERA of 2.06. In September, he had a 3.89 ERA. Overall, the season ERA for Clayton Kershaw last year, 2.73. At the end of the day, that is still better than what you're going to get for most starting pitchers. Yeah, early on, it's kind of a mystery of what we'll see. But he still showed flashes of that ace potential against the Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers at home in Dodger Stadium. Not ready to give up on Kershaw. I still believe he is the best pitcher of this staff. That is just really exciting for me personally. Hopefully you're all excited too because Clayton Kershaw is kind of the Los Angeles Dodgers heart from the pitching standpoint. That's all I got about the Dodgers. But there is something that kind of fired me up. His name is Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles. As many of you probably heard by now, Chris Davis had a hitless streak. O for 54. That's unfortunate, yes. But the amount of sympathy this guy is getting is kind of ridiculous. Do you think Chris Davis is really that miserable when he's going home to his multi-million dollar mansion every night? Chris Davis is going to make $21 million a year until the end of the 2022 season. Thankfully, the whole hitless saga came to an end today. He had two RBI hits off of Rick Porcello of the Boston Red Sox. And if Davis felt bad, I'm sure Porcello is kind of embarrassed too. But, had a little discussion with Alana Rizzo earlier this morning on Twitter. I said to her, at $21 million a year, he should be doing better. This whole sympathy for me Sorry, this whole sympathy for him is kind of a joke to me. Her response, you clearly don't understand how hard this game is. I respect Alana Rizzo. She's a great reporter for the Dodgers. But, come on. I mean, I can't even hit a 
per hour pitch. I'll be honest. I'm not a baseball player. But can we really say, can we really deny the fact that he is probably the most overpaid player in the game right now? I mean, to me, when I look at it, Chris Davis, in the next two seasons, is going to make more than what Ozzy Albies is going to get for the next seven seasons. Because Albies, earlier this week, agreed to a seven-year extension for $35 million total. That's $5 million a year. While Davis will get that $42 million for the next two years. Because he's making $21 million a year. So when someone like Albies, who's probably working harder, is making less than what Chris Davis is getting... That's the real tragedy. Come on. I mean, look at the look at it this way. If there was a journalist out there who was getting paid a million dollars a year, just like Davis, that's over ninety percent. That's higher than over ninety percent of the same people working in that field. So the journalist is getting paid a million a year, who just happened to write. 54 consecutive headlines that contained a typo. Do you think the public is going to feel bad for that journalist? Or are they going to laugh at them and ridicule them? I mean, give me a break. This is a profession. To be that bad at something you're getting paid all that many for is absolutely ridiculous. Same thing could be said for a firefighter. They get paid a lot less than what any Major League Baseball player at the level that Davis is getting. Yet, what's harder, being a baseball player or being a firefighter? If you ask me, a firefighter is much harder. And if a firefighter made 30 consecutive mistakes at every scene they were called to, that is something to be way more sympathetic towards than this whole Chris Davis nonsense. So I'm glad it's over. Thank goodness. I don't feel bad for Davis whatsoever getting paid all that money. You want to talk about a real tragedy? Nick Adenhart is a real tragedy. Just a few days ago marked the 10-year anniversary of Nick Adenhart's death. If you don't remember who Nick Adenhart is, he pitched for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. He made his major league debut in 2009, and he won the game against the Athletics, I believe. But later that night, he died in a car crash. So those are the real things to put your thoughts and prayers into. Those are the real tragedies in sports. Finally... On a lighter note, the Los Angeles Lakers fired Luke Walton after three miserable seasons with Fluke Walton. We don't have to deal with him anymore. There are some Luke Walton apologists out there, and I just don't understand it whatsoever. They go, oh, he didn't have enough help. Management doesn't know what they're doing. But... Walton in three seasons had a 39.8% winning percentage. 
three trips, no postseason, third, third, and a fourth place finish in that respective division. So I, for one, am very relieved that Luke Walton, who already seems to have gotten the job with the Sacramento Kings, is out of Lakerland. Magic Johnson stepping down was definitely a surprise, but ownership got it together. They fired Luke Walton. It makes sense at the end of the day because every player that left the Lakers got better. D'Angelo Russell, he became an all-star. Julius Randle wasn't used enough. All of a sudden, it's discovered he has a three-point shot and he has triple up, he has triple double upside any game. How did the Lakers? I mean Walton. How do they miss out on that? Brooke Lopez leaves the Lakers. He has the best three point shooting percentage of his career with the Milwaukee Bucks. Thomas Bryant, a G leaguer, used sparingly in Los Angeles, all of a sudden goes to Washington D.C. And has double-double upside. Lou Williams. They traded him away. Lou Williams has gone on to become the greatest six-man, arguably, of all time. So there's a lot of blame to be on Luke Walton. Larry Nance. He got better. It just The list goes on. It was time for Walton to go. Hopefully the next coach can make things better because... Six consecutive seasons without making a playoffs is absolutely pathetic for the Lakers. Thank you for checking out the Incline. You can follow me on Twitter at Klein25. Let's hope the Dodgers win the next few games because 2019 should be a big year for the Dodgers. Go Blue. Klein out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.